On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno. And direct from New Jersey, Metal Walt. Good evening, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well as we navigate our way through the spring of 2023. As always, Thursday night's new content drops. Tonight, we have a fun one. We welcome Gil Moore of the Canadian band Triumph. Next week will be 40 years since that famous Us Festival show happened in California. It was Memorial Day weekend, 1983. It was a three-day festival with day two being heavy metal day. You had young bands like Quiet Riot and Motley Crue on there. Veterans, Ozzy Osbourne, and Judas Priest. But you also had Triumph, Scorpions, and of course, Van Halen headlined that show. Well, Gil's here to talk about the that concert. The band's releasing a special live album on vinyl to commemorate that event. They have a uh, YouTube uh, show that's going on next Thursday night. So tons of cool stuff. So he's going to be joining Metal Walt and I in just a minute to talk about that. Again, want to remind you to get up to the Metal Mayhem ROC website, sign up for our newsletter. There you'll receive updates on new podcast shows. Uh, Let's see, uh, reminders for our radio show. There's CD reviews from Mark Zagati. Metal Waltz going to shows every other day, so he's putting concert reviews up there. You can also download some recent episodes, podcast episodes. Uh, Last week, we had the Rock and Roll Detention Series, spotlighting the band Badlands. Ian O'Rourke and I did a Van Halen Fair Warning episode a few weeks ago. We had the History of Metal, 1993. And about three weeks ago, we had Tony Simmerman from Knucklebones. You know, those cool... Rock and roll and metal collectible figurine company. So get up to the website, download some of these past shows, uh, rate, review, subscribe, and join our community. So that being said, let's get into this. Gilmore, Triumph, Us Festival, birthday celebration. For Metal Walt, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. So today, it's an honor and a privilege from the band Triumph in the Great White North, Gil Moore. Hey, Gil, welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. Hey, guys. Great to be here. like to introduce you to my co-host, Metal Walt. He comes from New Jersey. Hey, Gil. Nice to meet you. I have a question for you. I know you're up in the uh, Ontario area. 
And I see on your website that you sell Triumph hockey pucks. I'm a big hockey fan. I'm an Islander fan. How are you feeling about the Leafs exit? Is it progress or no progress? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Like, kind of I, I, the, the, the scene here locally is that we felt like we went down in flames in a bad way, not a good way. Let's put it that Let's put let's put a lid on it at that point, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think anyone was too pleased up here, but uh, you know it's a, it's a sport, you know. I I think everybody's got to remember that, and it's good to be enthusiastic, but it's not too good to be overly wound up about it. Exactly. Well, Gil, uh, before I hand it back over to John to talk about the uh, 40th anniversary of the US Festival, I have to tell you that I have a little piece of history <laughs> with. Triumph. And I have to share this with you that I was in attendance at the 2007 Rocklahoma show, flew all the way down there from Jersey, mainly for the reason to see you guys on the Friday night. And I have to tell you, that was the one and only time based on my age that I was able to see you guys. So um, just wanted to share that with you and tell you it was a long time ago, but it was a killer memory and a killer weekend. And thank God you played on the Friday and not on the Saturday when the tornado hit. Yeah, we were we kind of dodged a bullet there, and uh, luckily, and uh, that was a bad scene. But uh, that weekend uh, and the two weekends before were great because it was a decision that we made to go and play a couple festivals uh, so that our kids could see the band in action. And it had been twenty years, and uh, you know I contacted our our agent, you know the late great Troy Blakely, and said uh, Troy can you pull some festivals for us? And he said, where do you want to go? And I said, a long ways away from here. They <laughs> said, any place predictable? He said, no. Comes back with Sweden. I said, perfect. My wife is Swedish. Let's go there. So, uh, you know, my father-in-law, he liked it because he went and checked out a few cemeteries over there and uh, some old memories of his. And, uh, you know, we were there for the first time. We didn't play Sweden before, so it was pretty cool. And then we went down, of course, now playing Rocklahoma is, is really kind of the Dallas market, sort of the Dallas, uh, New Mexico, Arkansas, you know, all Oklahoma, all, all those uh, areas kind of combined uh, around, around that show. It was actually in prior Oklahoma, I believe. Well, it was a good, good, good memory. So I was glad I was in attendance. So, John, uh, take it back. Uh, Gil, my God, I'm 55 years old. Been following the band since late seventies. The first time I saw Triumph was on the old Don Kirshner's rock concert. My pops wouldn't let me go to a show in '81 up here in Rochester, Allied Forces. But I started seeing Triumph on the Thunder Seven tour. Always a great time. Great band. Congratulations on an excellent career. We're here today to discuss the US Festival. Can you believe it was forty years ago next weekend? The uh, three-day festival in uh, California. Again, Triumph was part of that heavy metal day. The band is, uh, what are you releasing? A uh, album, a package of that show? Tell us what it's all about. It's a, it's a double vinyl uh, gatefold. So it's got uh, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, artwork there that's, you know, first time, I guess, for a lot of the artwork. And uh, yeah, it's a special, it's just a fan package. Uh, it's on, you know, the f fancy uh, dense vinyl that they're able to use now, 120 grams. So it holds all the low end and stuff. That's kind of cool. And uh, it's our performance that day combined with some uh, 
you know, cool, as I said, some additional cool pictures that I haven't seen before and some liner notes and just, a, it's just a really nice, uh, I'll call it a souvenir. And they did it in different colors of uh, vinyl, very limited edition. So once it's gone, it's gone. And uh, it's, uh, in fact, it might already be gone. I'm not even sure if it's, if it's still available. Yeah, we actually were looking yesterday. I was on the website, and it looks like the uh, the red and blue are sold out, and and the and the three package, the the trio is gone. So all you can get is uh, the black. So is Gil? Is it true you guys only press seven hundred and fifty copies? That's not something that we control. So I I don't know if uh, uh you know that's that's kind of like a, a the merchandiser's decision when they do those limited editions. Some of the times, what they want to do is they they press a small quantity. Uh, and then they they move on to something else as opposed to, you know, if they had thousands of them and they'd be available for the next five years or something like that, um, they wouldn't put their time and effort into creating something else that's coming up. Yeah. Um, I know that coming up later this year, uh, not our merchandiser, but Round Hill Music, our label in America, uh, they're going to be leasing, releasing a Triumph tribute album. And I know that's been in the making for several years now uh, through the pandemic. It's produced by Mike Clank of Guns N' Roses yep. fame. And we have some tremendous, tremendous singers on there. Um, Joey Belladonna from, from Anthrax is on there. Uh, our buddy Sebastian Bach, of course. Uh, Phil X from Bon Jovi. Larry from Styx. Um, uh, Nancy Wilson from Heart. Uh, Mickey Thomas from Starship. Um, uh, there's musician, tremendous musicians, especially drummers. We're crying out loud. We got Tom, uh, Tommy Aldridge on there, one of my personal favorites. Uh, and then, uh, it, it, Kenny Aronoff, another fantastic drummer from John Milling. Yeah. Yeah. I go on and on about, uh, Nita Strauss, beautiful female guitarist that just knocks it out of the park. Hurricane. Just, there's so many great musicians on there. I can't even tell you, uh, how thrilled we are. When can we expect to see that? I think that's the end of this year and, and like maybe third, fourth quarter this year. So I think that's the thing with some of these other uh, releases, why they do limited editions is because, you know, make room for the next uh, the next item that's coming down the pike. Now, maybe they'll do more of these. I, I don't know if they sold out too quickly. Maybe they, uh, you know, underestimated how many people would want it because I don't think they're trying to shortchange anybody i think they just stole on a you know inventory a lot of stuff and hold on to it for uh keep it as a catalog item let's say like you would with a normal album was the band involved with the arrangement or the uh guest musicians no mike clink did the whole thing man he's uh, got to give him full credit it's kind of like when people ask me about the documentary you know how much did the band have to do with the documentary i go well basically nothing um you know the Mark Ricardelli and, and Sam Don and, and Don Allen, uh, those guys, you know, curated the narrative. They uh, decided on the physical locations of shoots, what group of people to interview and when and how. They did the whole thing. We kept seeing rushes of it as it was going along. But when I saw the rushes, I just thought, "Gee whiz, this doesn't look like this doesn't look like a documentary to me. It just looks like a bunch of stuff." And uh, you know, they had obviously the power of foresight in they'd scripted this or storyboard it in such a way that they knew where all these puzzle pieces were going. But for me, it was like being a kid when I was 
you know, in grade two. And on my birthday, my mom gave me a, a puzzle of a horse and she dumped it on the kitchen table and it's just a bunch of pieces. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Mom, what is this? It's nothing. She says, well, assemble it and it will be something. You have to be patient. And so you put it all together and you see this beautiful horse. That was the way the Triumph documentary was. We were seeing puzzle pieces, but we couldn't see the horse. And when they finally put it all together, we thought, man, this is really great. They did ask us on the way in, is there anything in particular that you want to see in the movie? When they asked me, I said, yeah, humor. I said, I do not want to not have any jokes in this because people <laughs> laugh in this day and age. Too many people are serious. Too many people are grumpy. Uh, you know, let's have some laughs in there. Triumph was always about having fun. So I want that to come through. So fortunately, there are some humorous uh, moments in there, you know, leading off with the trailer park boys. I love those yeah. guys. That's that's funny right off the bat. You know, they're going to cop our merchandise. I mean, those guys, Bubbles, the boys, they knocked it out of the park, you know. And then Sebastian, like he's like a character on steroids, right? He's always, Already, he yeah. Always, yeah, I love Sebastian, man. He always cracks me up. So, uh, yeah, there was there was some good good moments there. The only thing that's too bad is we didn't get any of Rick Emmett's uh, impersonations into the film. So if we do another one, I'm going to say, Rick, the first thing we're going to do is record a whole bunch of your dialects, which are so funny, and uh, and then we're, we're going to pre-edit that and we'll build a film around those funny bits that we used to do in the dressing room backstage. Well, there, there you could do a teaser on uh, April Fool's Day, Gil. You can go out and announce a special performance, reunion performance, and don't play music. Just do like spoken word and jokes, stand-up comedy. <laughs> well, uh, strangely enough, uh, up here, so what I've been doing the last, uh, you know, decades is, uh, you guys probably know about Metalworks Studios, yeah. but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which is my kind of ranch here, which is where I am right today, but also... Uh, we've, we've, we're in different, uh, businesses. We have a, we have a school where we teach music and audio. Um, and we have, uh, a sound company and a lighting company here as well. And, uh, so one of the things we're doing with that sound and lighting companies, we're working on a mixed reality, uh, technology, uh, with our lighting director, Paul Dexter in Los Angeles. And the, and the, and the premise is to take Triumph back on the road in mixed reality which would be pretty amazing if we were able to do it. Uh, so it's in the formative stages and it would be like, it It, it, it wouldn't be Mike, Rick and Gil there live. It would be uh, a combination of uh, actors and uh, avatars and uh, some really cool stuff. I got interested in, uh, in holograms at one point because Paul was kind of the godfather of, of holograms with Ronnie Dio and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, as quickly as I thought they were cool, uh, I also thought they weren't cool uh, by themselves. So Paul and I set about to try to create something that was way better uh, and way more uh, immersive and way more interesting than holograms. But what we took from holograms was the three-dimensional, uh, the sort, of, and also that the gag is a kind of a trick. And and we said, how could we put this on steroids and and make it triumphize it? So that's what we're doing and trying to do. Uh, we're being helped by the mixed reality team at Microsoft who are uh, partners of Metalworks, so they're a great help. And uh, we're hoping to have that out 2024, 2025 for 50th anniversary of Triumph. 
that's the plan right now. That's awesome. Hey, Gil, we wanted to go back to the new vinyl release, and we have a, a couple other questions before we go back to the day itself and revisit the actual uh, your impressions of the day itself. But we have a listener question from Mike Tashenkel of Greer, South Carolina, asks us um, to ask you, will the opening song, Too Much Thinking, which was not included on the DVD, be included in the vinyl edition? I wish I knew the answer to that, because... <laughs> It was really funny. Um, there was a debate on that. Like, did we play that song? And so, when it's, when Mike and Rick and I get together, one of the things we do is we play memory test, and we go. And then there's generally an argument that ensues, no matter what it is. It could be over a French fry. It would be like, well, what restaurant was it? No, it was Wendy's. No, it was McDonald's. Uh, it was in Dallas. No, it was not. It was in Chicago. Like, <laughs> when you combine all the tours that we did, and you combine all the the shows that we play into this soup bowl, and you can imagine it gets very funny when you start when you start talking your way through it with your buddies. And uh, yeah, this is one of those uh, this is one of those questions, the missing song. So it doesn't make any sense because we were on a very very high and Westwood One's truck at the time, and Norm Pattis had the best gear on the planet. So one would think we have the song. It's possible that it was left out intentionally on the DVD, but I can't remember that. And so where we left it, because we donated all our archives to the University of Toronto's uh, music library, and we're going to seek out that song if it exists. But I'm inclined to believe that the fans, when we talked about it internally and with the record producer, and he was like, well, did you guys play the song or not? And we're like, we're not sure. All we can do is tell a lot to each other. Awesome. Not certain. And so he said, how are we going to prove this? And I said, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to have to ask Karnak. Uh, we're we're going to have to go to the U of T and see if the song exists or it doesn't exist. I'm inclined to think the fans are right and that we played it. It's there. Mike, Rick, and Gil just don't remember. Let's talk about the show, the US Festival. You have a special presentation that's coinciding with this for people that buy the vinyl. Tell us about that. Um, there's, I think, on side four of the record, there's a bunch of spoken word where Mike and Rick and I talk about the event. I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah. And that's just added content. And I know they, they did something fancy artwork-wise on that fourth side of the vinyl too, which I haven't seen. So, some kind of graphic. Well, no, in, uh, in the press release we got, um, they're saying on Thursday, May 25th, Triumph is hosting a special viewing of the concert on the official Triumph YouTube channel. Well, then we are. <laughs> See, you're yeah. right of me. It shows what I know. So I think you're both right. I mean, there's the side four has the pre-recorded podcast. Uh, side four, Gil, just for the record, it's uh, the Never Surrender Thunderbird logo etched on side four. And then there is the May 25th is the live viewing of the concert itself, which apparently you guys are popping into the chat box and you're going to be interacting with fans. So maybe we'll join on. You know what? You're absolutely right. It's coming back to me now. And, and Wendy would have kept me on track just like she did today. So... Uh, she got all this written down, and uh, yes, it's a lot of this is flurries through the inbox, you know, and you say yes, yes, yes to everything, and you hope it all makes it into the calendar. So, you know what that's like. Yep. So, how are you going to feel those uncomfortable questions 
like from guys that are going to be in the chat box saying, oh, when are you playing Maple Leaf Gardens or Air Toronto Center? Uh. You know what? There's no, I don't find any questions uncomfortable. Like I'm, I'm never, uh, you know, as much as, you know, people generally, for example, people that are in the public eye to some extent or generally get bombarded with hate of one sort or another, whether they get a little or they get a lot. And, and I got to tell you, Triumph doesn't get any hate. Like, for whatever reason, um, you know, it seems like the people that want to make a comment about about us, they're all people that we, you know, had had a, obviously a good experience with one way or the other, whether it's, you know, fans in community, fans in the, uh, at the shows, or whether it's promoters we work with, or whether it's things that have taken place in the community, the, but outside the, uh, the venue, so to speak. Uh, so I feel really blessed. I'm not afraid of any questions. Like I haven't, haven't had anybody, um, and you got to figure everybody, everybody dislikes somebody. So I'm sure somebody out there hates my guts and hates triumph, but they don't seem to, they don't seem to come around. So I'm not worried about any questions on a, on a show like that. I, we, I got just, the, we got the man, kinship of Sebastian phenomenal. Bach because he's both Canadian and he cut his teeth in Jersey. So we got it covered. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, America's been so good to triumph, I can't even tell you. It's just been like, when we came across the border, it was just like open arms right from day one, right? And right till the, the last time of the last note of the last concert. Just a beautiful experience, it really was. I'll tell you a beautiful experience. Uh, I graduated high school in 1986, and I went to school in Toronto for recording arts. Yeah, I lived right on Young Street. Now, Gil, at the time, it was September 1986. The U.S. dollar had a lot of pull. There I am, a 19-year-old, going to the brass rail for lunch three days a week. Beautiful. <laughs> so I absorbed that Canadian culture. And, you know, circling back to this, why would anyone have a problem with uh, with uh, Triumph? Of course not. You're Canadian. I mean, the, the Canadians. Right. You just need to catch up with your brother's uh, rush and get your own uh, line of beer. That should be your next merchandise. We were supposed to have a line of beer. I'm not sure what happened, but uh, yeah, Sarah was working on a, a Triumph beer up here. I'll have to ask her after we hang up. All right. Left beer. Sounds good. <laughs> I look forward to that. So, yeah, Gil, let's, let's touch base back on the actual day itself. And I was able to put together a little couple slides of a montage of great photos and memorabilia from the day. But 670,000 people attended that weekend, yet they say it lost $12 million. Like, take us through the day for you guys personally. What was it like? Helicopter in, helicopter out. Did you hang with the other bands, watch the whole day? So we did we did helicopter in and helicopter out. I mean, that was really the only way to do it. And, you know, it was a phenomenal view because we played some very big shows prior to this. I mean, we played Canada Jam, was over 100,000 people. We played World Series of Rock and, and American Rock Festival and, you know, the Cotton Bowl, Texas World Music Festival. We we're used to playing big shows. However... I think for us and for all the other bands, nothing like this. This was something altogether different. Uh, you look down and you realize it looked more like a city than a, than a concert venue. And uh, it was really, it took your breath away. It really, really did. And uh, when we got back, we got backstage. I mean, the first thing you notice is how hot it was that day. It mm -hmm. was just crazy, crazy hot. And uh, 
we, you know, Triumph was different than other bands. I mean, we weren't backstage partying and getting loaded. We were backstage, like, <laughs> getting prepping to get ready for the show. So, like, I used to do, we used to do a long warm-up. I used to do this thing. I put a towel over my head with eucalyptus oil to try to, you know, open up the airwaves for singing. And at the same time, like, loosening up with the drumsticks. Uh, Rick would do the same thing. He'd play guitar through a little wee amp, and Mike would be plugged into the same little wee amp, and he'd play bass. So we'd play songs just kind of quiet, but we'd sing them to, uh, you know, try to just lubricate the, the chops and get ready to go. And so we didn't really have time to do anything else other than concentrate on what we came there to do, which was to try to, you know, do something for the audience that was going to be really good. And, uh, you know, I remember when um, I stuck my, did I did stick my big nose out the uh, door of our trailer once, and I'm thinking how hot it is, and, and we got a lot of uh, uh, I don't know jokes because we were we were all we were all dressed in, in white or some variation of white, and uh, that was strategic. That was because we didn't want to you know burn up like a potato chip. But as I stuck my nose out the door and I look, who do I see? But I see Rob Halford and the guys in Judas Priest, and they're all dressed in leather. And I sort of laughing my head off, and I said, "Oh, I don't want them to think I'm laughing at them." I went back inside. And I said, "What you think?" I said, "I saw the grease. These guys are going to melt. <laughs> they look like licorice sticks yeah. going out there, and they're just going to melt." Hey, you know. Hey, was there any chance to hang out with the other bands, like, and say to them, "Can you believe this? Look at this. This is crazy." You run into Klaus Meine and you know talk with him, or. It was separated because it was so huge. Well, Mike, Mike, Mike hung around. Mike and Rosie hung, hung, hung around. But Rick and I, two seconds after we were we were off the stage, we were out of there. We were we were just gone. And then the next thing you know, we were back in a limo when we were up going down the freeway to LAX and trying to catch a flight so that we we didn't have to hang around for another day. Uh, but but Mike Mike stayed over. So he's when you talk to him, he'll have a whole lot of different stories. Uh, for for Rick and I, we were just kind of like we just wanted to get in and out of Dodge and do what we had to do, and and make sure that at the end of the day, um, you know, the people that walked out of the venue uh, had a, had a blast, a triumph that was full tilt, uh, no hold back, you know, no goofing around. That was the, that was the goal. How'd the show do for you? You feel a, a push from it? Well, I had brittle drums, so. That was tough because we were the day before we were in in Florida uh, playing at the Tangerine Bowl, which was no, it was this big gig too. It was 55,000 there. It was full with ZZ Top. And uh, so when we came over there, we were from the day before played like a large outdoor show. So that was kind of good leading into this, although 55,000 was nothing compared to this. Mm -hmm. The problem was is the routing because we were in Florida, I couldn't get my drum set over there. So we had to use uh, a set of drums that you know Tamo put together for me. I mean, it was an it was a clone kind of client kind of a clone setup, but just the same. It's like wearing somebody else's shoes. You know, it 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 just doesn't feel the same. My main concern was just that was uh, the kit, uh, not not just something being wrong with something, some nut or some bolt not being tight enough or something, and mm-hmm. but. My, my drum tech is was great and he was on top of it and the people from Tamil were great they were on top of it and so it worked the question i was getting at 
Did you, as a brand, the Triumph, because you did the US Festival, did you feel, a, did, was there a spike in sales? Were you more, oh, was the public more aware of the band because you did that US Festival or it was just another gig? I think the, uh, it certainly was not just another gig in terms of the, uh, like if you think about just the state of California, I don't think there's ever been a show as big before or since. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be proven wrong. I don't know, but that's that's what I'm I'm told. This is about the size of Woodstock, the original Woodstock. So it, it's one of those shows. I don't think it ever uh, pales in comparison to anything else. It's just it's it's a one off. It's a it's a unicorn in its own way. Yeah. And uh, I I think it had a it had a big impact on fans. It had a big impact on press. It had a big impact on radio, uh, and so on. But for us, the reason. Uh, at least mindset-wise, the way we would treat it as kind of any other gig, it's it's kind of like in in sports. Uh, if you uh, you know the, the perfect way to choke is to make too much out of something. You know, like if I don't make this free throw, we're going to lose the game. If I don't score this goal, uh, you know that's it. We're out of the playoffs. And the minute you start thinking that way, that's when you gag. So I you know in in our band because we were three guys. And there was no place to hide and we weren't you know like we weren't this a band that would go on stage like high and and uh you know just goof around we we just that was not us we we went on stage to win uh the game so to speak or to and for, for us the game was to make sure the fans got exactly why they were there they said man triumph never lets us down and that's what we tried to do we tried to never never play a, a bad gig if you if you will the mindset it's not yeah. like oh look at all these people and look at all this stuff it's like okay game phase do it right it's great that all this stuff is going on i mean the only time i digressed from the whole thing was because i had met was right so speaking to him backstage he's the only guy i really cared to speak to he brought us on stage which was really kind of neat that was a uh and we were trying to support him because uh joe strummer badmouthed him which was really nasty of him to do so so we were trying to support him Gil, it's a uh, it's a it's an awesome piece of history, and you're so right. It's like uh, if you were part of that there, either as a band member or crew, a fan, it it is. It's got its own folklore. Like you talk like Woodstock or something like that. We had Bob Gruen on the Fame Photographer a few weeks ago, and he was talking about his personal experience driving mm -hmm. up to Woodstock to just as a fan to see the Who. But as like a hard rock metal fan, I think it's like in our world to relate to something like this. And I think, my God, I was. 13 years old when this went down, it was probably on the wavy TV in between MTV news clips and Mark Goodman reporting on it. But it's so cool to go back and revisit it. And we're really, really happy that we got a chance to talk to you and somebody that was there that day. So it's uh, really has been our pleasure. So before we let you go, I know you mentioned the tribute album coming out. Anything else on the horizon in the Triumph world, merch, re-releasing, anything in the works in terms of events? The merch, you know, Greg Ross, who's our uh, amazing merch dude, he never stops with coming up with ideas. He comes up with more ideas than Carter says pills. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be, you know, everything from, uh, you know, triumph this to, to, to triumph that. You know, I, he keeps thinking of things to to uh, to put out there. And uh, the, all these tchotchkes to me, they're kind of cool because regardless of what they are like i like the keychains just because i have a lot of keys so you know i have different triumph keychains for <laughs> different groups of keys 
But you know, um, some people like ball hats and some people like t-shirts and standard stuff like that. But some of the stuff that they're coming up with now, it's just like, I never would have thought of this. The hockey but, puck is a great idea. I, yeah, I got to go yeah, on, on a website cool. and get a hockey puck myself. Like I, I need to mug. have that. I love the mugs. I, I gave my, I got my family, like my, my all my kids, my wife, they've all got a set of Triumph mugs. We have we have Triumph um, uh, bit pike, a beer beer pint glasses. You know those those things are great too. You know? I got an idea for you, Gil. It just occurred to me. A couple of years ago, I made one of those vintage battle patch jackets where you try to find all your bands. Oh yeah, and, and I did one, and I have it behind me. I I, I could show you a picture someday, but. I couldn't find Triumph because your logo, when you go search on eBay, only Triumph the motorcycle comes up. So you have a market there where you guys can make your own patch and sell it on your website. I guarantee that'll be a hit. That's funny because there are Triumph patches. Uh, maybe they're sold out. Like uh, there's about three or four different types of them. Ah, on the website. Okay. I, I don't know about on the website. I'm not up to speed on that. I'd have to ask, I'd have to ask uh, Greg when we... Okay. When we that we have a chat with them, but you're right. No, I, I would have expected that that there would be tri patches there for sure. But I guess well, I got not. a couple spots left on the code. I'm going to have to go revisit it now, ten years later, and see if All I can right. find one. I'll have to see if I can get one over to you. Uh, that would be awesome. You know, metal yeah. sounds good. Metal Walt. That r reminds me, Gil. A couple of weeks ago, we had Tony from Knucklebones, the figurine company. Ah, yes. Have you ever done anything with Knucklebones? Have they ever? Don't I don't think so. That doesn't ring a bell. Oh, okay. Well, they're the leader in those figurines. The, the limited edition. They don't, don't press a lot of them, and their attention to detail. Uh, we'll we'll send Tony a email. Say, hey, let's get on our triumph. And um, yeah. So that uh, tell tell Chip that uh, and uh, tell him to to shoot it over to Wendy, and uh, we'll we'll let uh, we'll let we'll turn Greg on to that. Man, he he likes opportunities like that. I told him I wanted to get a pinball machine. I always wanted to have a Triumph pinball. So I know they were starting on that. I don't know where that went yet, but. <laughs> You're going to call Gene Simmons and get the school of uh, marketing from him. But um, uh, what... He's doing all his pie marketing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to invite you to stay on after we say goodbye. And um, we have a couple of questions I want to ask you off air. But uh, you mentioned a little while ago, Ronnie James Dio. Today happens to be the observance of his death day. May, oh, I May, know May that. 16th, 2010. So when we get done with this, when you're driving around later, why don't you put on your favorite Dio or Rainbow or Sabbath and, you know. Well, on the, on the next Dio tribute album comes out, I'm going to volunteer Gil to play drums on uh, Holy Diver. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, love to. Ronnie was an uh, amazing guy. And I remember the last time we played, played uh, LA Sports Arena, he was backstage. He was mixed in with the punters. We look around and all of a sudden, hey, there for any deal. He's right. He's he's right there. So we uh, we had a nice chat, you know. And uh, our our lighting director Paul that I mentioned earlier, like he he worked with 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 Ronnie and and with Wendy as well. So I, I sort of hear this, uh, you know, for whatever goes on in Wendy's world, I hear about it sort of from from Paul. Uh, they were very close. I was able to catch the rods the other night at the chance in Poughkeepsie and uh, Dave Feinstein, his cousin, uh, full leather jacket, but right above his lapel, he has a little D.O. pin on there. I guess always carrying his memory, which I thought was very classy. Uh -huh. Indeed. 
Uh, where can people get information on your product? Triumph.com? Share your sites. Triumph.com. Yeah, or socials, which are on there as well. There's a, We have an Instagram and a uh, Twitter and uh, and Facebook. I think there's three or four Facebooks. There's one official one, and then there's two or three that are uh, fan-started Facebook sites. All right. Well, cool. Um, Gail, thanks for uh, talking with us today. Again, congratulations on a great career. And you don't need, uh, I'm sure you're in the Canadian Hall of Fame. And uh, we've enjoyed your music for the last 40 plus years. Sure, appreciate it, guys. It's great speaking with you. And I hope you have a good day. And uh, yeah, thanks for the support. Of course. Quite welcome. If I ever get back up in Toronto at some point, I'm going to come to the, come to the studio and knock on the door and say hi. <laughs> yeah, come to Metalworks for sure. Coffee's so, always on here. Awesome. Best of luck with the release and the uh, live live stream. Should be fun. Yep. Appreciate it. All right. All right, guys. Take care. See you. Okay, have a good time, guys. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.